Hey there, freaks. Welcome to podcast number two of Wednesday, November 28th, 2018, the year of our Lord. This edition of Tales from the Crypt is a rabbit hole recap, and this episode is brought to you by Baboon. Baboon makes technical duffel bags for all our life's adventures. I'm going on an adventure in a couple weeks to Paris, and I plan on bringing my Baboon bag. That is because their bags use waterproof materials, are tear-proof, and last forever. Every bag comes with a free shipping and lifetime guarantee. Baboon duffels are called Go Bags. They come in two sizes. You can get a small Go or a large Go. Small is a carry-on. You don't want to check your bags. You want to pay for that. You get the small. Hey, you're looking to spend a little bit more on your flight? Check some bags. Get the big bag, large bag, excuse me, the large Go Bag. Um, you can carry them wherever. Both sizes fit stuffed in a trunk, carried in your back, or dragged wherever your adventure takes you. These bags will never break, period. There's a lifetime guarantee. And what do we say about lifetime guarantees, Matt? They're fucking dope. They're dope. See why Condé Nast Traveler is called is calling it the ultimate weekender. Visit baboontothemoon.com and enter the code CRYPT, that's C-R-Y-P-T, for 10% off your purchase. Baboontothemoon.com, code word CRYPT, 10% off. Uh, you freaks out there. We just recorded an interview series uh, with our, our guest who's in the house for the Rabbit Hole Recap as well. I want to introduce you to Dan Held. I've uh, I've stuck around here. They won't kick me out. We won't kick him out. We've we've lured I him in. I walked in with whiskey, and he couldn't he couldn't walk away. We we polished off some beers. True story. Yes. Matt brought in the whiskey. Uh, I'm on one right now, Matt. A lot has happened this week. I haven't even looked at the uh, the schedule of topics. But what we were just talking about, I think, would be a good first topic, is the uh, the announcement of OPAC, O P A C, OPAC, OPAC. There we go. OPAC. I was thinking of Tupac. They announced that they sanctioned two Iranians. And their Bitcoin addresses, uh, they're now on a, a, a blacklist, I guess. Uh, so the, the OPAC is trying to sanction these two Bitcoin addresses they know are owned by Iranians. Uh, and these Iranians have been using these two particular addresses for more than five years. What do we think about this? And it's connected to ransomware. And it's connected to ransomware. Right. I, I think that, they were like, that's the an important. It was the payout addresses for ransomware. Important detail. Uh, so they kept getting reused. They reused them for the last five years, which five is like years. horrible, horrible. Uh, Learn how to use your XPub keys. Yeah. To Iranian hackers. Horrible OPSEC. Um, so ransomware is is that uh, is the viruses that they encrypt your computer, and then to to get your files back, you have to pay them Bitcoin. Uh, and they were they got very popular over the last two three years. Heartbleed and uh, what was the other one? No, Heartbleed is not ransomware. Heartbleed, Heartbleed was, that, was the SSL issue that the, the Bitcoin core devs discovered. That was it. It was something locker then. Um, um, yeah, do you know what it's called? No, not the Hurt Locker. That's a, that's a movie. That's a movie. It, was, it was a good movie, though. Uh, All right. Yeah, it was. It existed. Uh, it, it attacked, the, uh, most notably, it attacked the hospitals across Europe last year. Yeah, they, they, they attacked a lot. A lot of, I mean, I don't know if these particular guys, um, if these particular guys did or not. Uh, I mean, the question is, is enforceability, right? Is, is, can they actually enforce this? Um, can they pressure, you know, known miners into not mining transactions that leave that address? Uh, can they pressure exchanges into, into not, um, exchanging it for other funds and, and destroying the, you know, the blockchain analysis, uh, BTCE, when they got taken down, they got taken down because of ransomware, uh, Part of the reason was the ransomware investigation that they were allowing people to transfer their ransomware funds into BTCE to get 
get either cash out or altcoins. Didn't they uh, prove that some of the Mt. Gox coins were being laundered through BTC as well? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. For the uh, listeners of the show, BTCE is this wonderfully charming <laughs> Russian exchange or Eastern European exchange where when you log in, all that's required is an email address or when you create an account. And if you go to the freq- FAQ section, it's quasi Cyrillic in English. <laughs> so it's it's as well. It's as, <laughs> the they, they invented the troll box. Uh, so, so I wanted to interject uh, and include some old history here just to make sure everyone, everyone knows. Uh, the good old days. The, good old, the troll box was an infinite source of wisdom and, and good technical analysis. The troll box was a place where... Uh, it was a very innovative place where users would would route around uh, variables set upon the the uh, exchange, uh, most of which being around the word pump. Uh, and there's still a troll box left in Bitmax. Bitmax has the last yeah. last so the, troll box standing. These exchanges would try to uh, censor the troll box, uh, keeping out certain words that would uh, either pers- try to persuade people to to pump well, or not dump BTC. the price. BTC didn't censor their troll box. No rules there. There's no rules, uh, and that's why they got shut down eventually. And then uh, they supposedly reopened as wax, but it looks like that might have been a honeypot or either or just criminals. No, uh, that was a le- so. I have an individual that I'm not going to name who had his funds at BTCE. He was a newbie. I told him not to keep his money there, but he did. So uh, they did the Bitfinex model, where they had like a token that represented the debt or the essentially the amount of money that there was seized. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the all the crypto there was preserved, all of it. It was only the fiat that was seized. Okay. So they it was a I don't know if it was a honeypot or not. Like I don't know if it was used, but I don't believe you had to use new identification. You just used your old identification to log in. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure everyone didn't get paid though. Did your your buddy got paid out? So you got like seventy percent of your money back, and then the thirty percent was represented in those forms of tokens or debt tokens mm-hmm. that like Bitfinex did back in the day too. But he actually withdrew. Yep. That's great to hear. Hey, there's some ethical scammers out there. I mean, no, I fucking I thought BTC was a good actor in the space. You well, know, they were always a good exchange. Well, all right, we're getting off we're getting off the beaten path here. What is going on with OPEC and these two Iranians? Are, oh yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you? So it's the is the first big sh- uh, shot across the bow from like uh, I say this I say shot across the bow way too much on this podcast. Noted, but uh, the authorities are saying, hey, we're gonna try at least to. Uh, regulate and point out certain addresses and say, "Hey, these well, are this bad." This is like an obvious. This is an obvious case because they fucking reuse the same address for five years and it has a ton of fucking Bitcoin in it, right? Like, of course you're going to publish that address and be like, "This is a bad address." Bad opsec. Again. But like, they can cover their tracks, like you know, relatively. Well, easily. yeah. So uh, let's jump into this. What if they sent? So here's a slippery slope. We begin with OPAC coming out and and basically coming after these two. Uh, wallets in particular. All right, so they spin up an Electrum, they create a new address, they send it to that address. Uh, What happens then? Well, probably all the regulated exchanges will still consider that. Even if you send it to a new address, they'll probably consider it. But what if, let's let's say some some person out there is buying OTC from these two guys, have no idea that their addresses are are sanctioned. And, well, Well, even if it is published, there could be a, a... a useful idiot out there to, that they could dump it off on. To hop in a little bit, exchanges will still accept coins that are from an address that has been quote unquote tainted. 
if it's been more than a few hops. The two hop methodology is, I think, very typical for a lot of the exchanges. Now, I get the I get the absurdity of it. I agree, but what I, what I'm trying to say is that with this one with these wallets, you think if they did like five hops, they'd still yeah, I think like six hops is typically like in the traditional financial world, it's fine, which is silly because you can just bounce it off of six different addresses and right, which in takes, the same wallet. Right. Yeah, it, it doesn't really mean anything, and this kind of highlights the the weird intersection of the traditional world with with the crypto one. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think like these coins aren't permanently tainted forever. Like there's no way that the U S government would taint bills for forever. Um, fungibility for the existing financial system is important too. I don't think they're trying to like really like taint these forever. And I just don't see that. And this is actually a very interesting, interesting topic to me in particular, uh, this summer when I was at a conference in your hometown, Dan, in Dallas, I asked Tor Demeester, because this was something that bothered me for a while, I, uh, the fungibility question, like, is one Bitcoin equal to one Bitcoin? Are there Bitcoin UTXOs that are superior to other UTXOs due to taint? And Tor made a perfect point, like, no, not in a global currency where, yes, the U.S. may sanction these addresses, but another country will be like, hey, we don't have How about no- like Satoshi's coins? What do you mean? Do you think those are worth more or less? I think they're worth equal. I think they'd be worth more because if you move them, they you could tank the market. All right, this is a, a rabbit hole I was not ready to jump down. I don't know about Satoshi. I'm talking about all right. Um, no, One I don't. Bitcoin is worth no because I, I I agree with Tor's argument. Like no matter what, somebody's going to be able to buy them at market price. And, like if you're willing to buy. Why would you buy Satoshi's coins at a higher price and, knowing that them moving would crash the market? Okay, like, so that doesn't me, make any me, sense to me. Let me let me hop in here. I think I have a, a good perspective on this. So do vanity coins trade at a higher rate than non-vanity coins, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what we're kind of asking yes, here, I think? Yes, I mean, I don't see, like, it's not like I have Roger coins, and let's say I'm a fan of Roger. Now I've got Roger coins, um, which I'm... I have a long history with Roger, but uh, let, let's let's let, yeah, those, those might trade at a discount. But yeah, that's a great example. Uh, is there any premium or discount for co- any type of coin in crypto, or especially in Bitcoin? Um, and I don't think there is no market for tainted coins. If there was, you know, I would I certainly see people in other countries take full advantage of that spread mm-hmm. and buy as much as they could. And we don't see a secondary market for, quote, you know, the tainted coins. Yeah. Well, because we haven't really seen any kind of real enforcement yet, I would say. Well, no, no. Now, but I would argue what Tor, the point that Tor is making is that you're not going to be able to unilaterally, unilaterally uh, well, that's the mandate po- these restrictions. Like, it's impossible in, in Right, because world. what Dan just said, you have, yeah. like, regulatory arbitrage. Yeah, you would just exactly. have a spread go across... Cross borders when you have a global currency. Yeah, and and on a positive note, let's say we really like those coins. It's a Roger. It's a it's a it's a Tur. It's Tur's coins. Mm-hmm. I love Tur. Tur's a great guy. <laughs> He's the first like Bitcoin economist in the space. I shared his piece around uh, how like investment managers should think about Bitcoin back in 2015. I shared that with my. That was the first article I shared with my dad. So Tur Tur is really great. Um, so I want to buy Tur's coins because I like Tur. We don't see a premium for anyone's coins, uh, for, or or Vitalik's coins. We don't see a premium for those either. Mm-hmm. 
Vitalik can't sell his coins because if he tries to move them, the market tanks. I already sold most of them too. I mean, there's we know his exposed wallets. I mean, we yeah, we've sold witnessed him watch theory. hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, he still owns it. We're not worried about. I'm not worried. Someone just posted an article and they cited me because I was just doxing his wallets on Twitter. So they they quoted me. It's a terrible practice, Matthew. We do not condone doxing. You should not allow it, them to be visible. Like if they're visible, I'm going to post them on Twitter. <laughs> I know. So let's let's run through it. Well, I will say I agree with Dan. I don't think uh, I think one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. I don't think you can have tainted coins in the long run because at the end of the day, there will always be somebody like, hey, send them to me, like. But there could be a spread where in the U.S., for instance, certain Bitcoins, you know, need to be, I don't know, like, let's pretend we're these guys, right? And you want to get, you're on the OPAC list and you realize, fuck, I shouldn't have hard-coded these addresses. Let's, you know, clean up our act. Like, all they have to do is, is, you know, either go through a mixer or even better, you know, you go and go to like BISC or something like that or Binance and you convert into Monero, you convert back and then you have no, there's no blockchain analytics there. And then you have completely, I mean, there's some blockchain analytics, but then you have completely uh, obscure or like plausible deniability, right? Yes. You have enough plausible deniability that you can. Yes. Yeah, so these, uh, these attempts to mandate these restrictions may be in vain. I would, I would bet that they will be in vain, um, which is funny. OPEC's going to have egg on his face. And uh, Naraj, if you're listening to this, he's at Coin Center. Naraj, if you're listening to this, we would we would love to maybe help with the uh, commentary around this. It's where if this I'm, is an issue that you're working towards, we can help you craft craft that narrative. Naraj, we're here. Well, I mean, if the U.S. government really wants to shut this stuff down, like they should really shut down Zcash because it's being used to launder all this money through through the system, and it's based in the U.S., so it's got you know big corporate it's pockets. Backed by to J.P. Hit. Morgan, Amazon, though, you know, do you think the U.S. government's going to go great? After them? The known addresses, they're perfect. You know where to send the subpoenas to. Have you have you guys been following TMX Zcash uh, conspiracy theories? He's out. He's got it off of Twitter. He got kicked off of Twitter. T-Mac did? You got banned. Rest in peace, my brother T-Mac. I'm going to miss you, bro. Uh, Twitter's going a little bit crazy, man. Yeah. A little bit crazy with the We're bear market. We're all going number. a little bit crazy with the bear market. No, I mean, I don't mean that. I mean, the actual company Twitter is banning people. They're banning way too many people. Yeah, They're shooting a, themselves in the foot. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of Jack, especially his uh, very forward thinking with Square Cash. I love the team over there. They're awesome, awesome people. Oh, oh, nice. I didn't know they were a sponsor. Cash sponsor of the pod. We love you. My favorite place to buy Bitcoin. We love you. Jack, we will be critical, though. Not Cash. too fond of uh, Twitter right now. <laughs> Cash me outside. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I think Jack has tried to be... He's, he's pretty libertarian. I'm a little disturbed, though. I agree with the censoring of certain people on Twitter for various reasons like this is a very slippery slope and right. I, I don't know what happens from here i think i think the main problem they got themselves into is that is that they they like somehow figured out a way to make themselves like the arbitrator of truth and like liable for what's on your feed and what it really should be is just there's no algorithm it's just straight chronological and like users have self-moderation and like they're not liable for anything that comes up on that feed. They're just a vessel that it transfers through. But the second you start 
sticking yourself in the middle of what content gets shown and what content doesn't, then people expect you to to start removing shit and you're just shooting yourself in the foot. That's a great point. Let let the users curate themselves. Yeah. And 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 never, ultimately we're just gonna get censorship resistant. Talk about know, consolidating a narrative platforms. around something like that's how the Twitter narrative should be consolidated. Like, hey, as a company, we've created like Twitter created the best communication tool humanity's ever had up to this point in history. Like they are shooting themselves in the foot, like you said, and they should revert to, hey, we're just gonna provide the best communication tool humanity's ever seen. You guys go crazy, we're not gonna step in. We're going to step back. Yeah, you don't see someone like freaking out at AT AT&T because an alt-right person sent a text. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) This is ridiculous. That's hard for people to realize. People don't... Dan and I talked talked about this in our long-form podcast. People don't think critically anymore. Um, Yeah, do you, Dan? You want to say goodbye to the podcast people? Well, thanks for having me on here, guys. Glad to be in New York. If y'all are ever in uh, San Francisco, we'll... uh, We'll do uh, a fun time out there. We'll definitely hit you up. We'll and do I a hope, steak dinner. I hope my, my restaurant recommendations uh, bode well for you tonight. Uh, I think they will. They will do it for me. So getting back to the topic at hand, last night I was at the BitDevs meetups here in New York and saw Will O'Byrne, who's a freelance developer, recently did the Chain Code Lightning Labs uh, residency. Uh, and while he was at the residency, he hacked on this web extension called Joule, uh, which basically allows you to hook your Lightning ne- node up to the extension and go around the web and buy content, uh, interact with microtransactions, stuff like that. It was the first time since the release of the iPhone 1 uh, that I had like a holy shit moment with this is magical. Like I imagined uh like 10 years from now like the web like no ads and literally being run by like microtransactions via the lightning network it was a holy shit moment for me have you dug into it yet well first off um the o'burn brothers are fucking dope and marty had them on the pod uh very strong bloodline make sure you go back and check it it's like one of the early it's one of the early episodes so go two part yeah, go check it out. They got fucking wrecked, and it's just a really, really good episode. I'm wrecked right now, by the way. Um, this is my second podcast of the day. Yeah, so like Marty told me he's editing out a bunch of stuff that just happened, so I'm not sure what I've said and what I haven't said, which really bothers me. I'm a um, censor. I'm a censor. Um, so when are you releasing Dan's pod? Next gonna, week. Next week, okay. So he's already, he's two pods deep right now, and, and he's a little bit drunk, and I, I got him this nice whiskey, Talisker whiskey, that, that one of our uh, tweeters um, recommended, and it's fucking delicious. Very, very good whiskey. Okay, very so, so to continue, Jewel is, not to diminish it, is, is basically MetaMask for Bitcoin, except you run your own Lightning node. Which yes. is a big difference when it comes down to, you know, don't trust verify the whole ethos. Exactly. Um, very, very important distinction. So you have a very simple user experience. It's very easy to make lightning payment. Well, it will be. They're not accepted. It's an extension for your browser and it's not accepted yet on the different stores. But once it's accepted on the different stores, you know, you just you just install the extension from the store like you install any other extension. You point it to your lightning node. And you're good to go. All of a sudden, you can pay lightning payments at any website, microtransactions at your fingertips. So, well, bad is fucked, <laughs> right? Like, the brave has no. Like, Will Will actually brought up that in his uh, in his demo last night. 
Yeah, they're absolutely fucked. The basic attention token is actually Satoshi's. Is is really what the true basic attention token is. And this is this is something we've been preaching for years. Is hey, everything you guys are trying to build will eventually be able to be built uh, at some layer of Bitcoin stack in the future, and it's finally coming to fruition. And last night in particular, there was a lot of ex consensus uh, people at this Bitcoin meetup in particular. Consensus with the Y, the yes. Ethereum. Um juggernaut yeah um and they were like enthralled by the lightning demos and it seems like lightning is becoming just as easy to develop upon as ethereum might be if not easier yeah and that's huge even going beyond micro payments and stuff like that uh will has this vision of web ln which is also a play on ethereum's web3 stack which allows you to like carry your reputation around with you, but your reputation is tied to your node. So if your node is known for opening channels and providing liquidity for the network, you'll have a good reputation. And as you go around the internet to other websites with your jewel extension, websites will be able to see, hey, Marty's a very good contributing member. Contribute a little bit like a privacy issue. Uh, he has discovered he has privacy. He's coming from a privacy first principle stance where you only, you only reveal uh, your history to a website when asked, when prompted and when you're ready to reveal that info. That's important. Yes. It's very important. Um, Yeah. I mean, look, every single token that exists for web-based microtransactions just got fucked. Right. Right. So like if it's an article paywall, token that you know oh you're just you want to watch you want to read a single article and pay for just you know the one cent for that article boom fucked you know if it's bat and and you're paying a youtube publisher a microtransaction to look at a video fucked you know so that's pretty fucking cool yeah this is a game changer i mean i have i i'm working on a lightning app that our major issue well we had two major issues for launching well, we had three major issues for launching. Uh, one is procrastination, which is, has, has nothing to do with any of this. Um, two is there were just really no usable, friendly wallets, which, which Jewel is, is a very pretty wallet, which is like important. I think it's a very user-friendly uh, implementation. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the, the, the third thing was is the bear market. Which is, you know, no one wants to launch anything in a in a bear market. That's true. But uh And this but the number two was the most important thing. You know, I'm just being yeah. frank with you guys, but the number two was the most important thing. Like you don't have wallets where people can use like we were literally we were like, Well what, we're just gonna recommend the Eclair mobile wallet, like the only user friendly lightning wallet. So this is fucking huge news. This is like really, really big news. Yeah, and they're using LND as a back end, so it's uh, a pretty well-tested implementation of Lightning. And Will, as I said, he has a security-first mindset and also UX-first mindset, which is imperative. And I, I shit you not. like You I, can't have two first mindsets, can you? You can have first principles, for two first principles being... Okay, two of those fair. principles being security they and share UX. They share yeah. the first category. Yeah. Okay, um, I apologize. Thank you. Don't give me that one. <laughs> That's why I'm here. I'm here to give you shit. I'm here to give but you shit. But I shit you not. Like, I had a holy shit moment, like, watching Will demo this, like, buying articles on y'all's. 
like yes it was yalls.org which is a very bitcoin centric website well no yalls was created in the first place it's a troll fuck with yours it's a troll yalls is a troll and charles's bcash billion billion dollar company oh billion dollar company yeah bullshit but uh but you can easily see that process being extrapolated onto incumbent publishers like the Wall Street Journal, New yeah, York great Times. Great blog. Great blog. Yeah. It, it like you can eat like all these publishers have to do is make it so their website can communicate with the extension, which is a line Super or, easy. A line or two of code. They don't even have to talk to Brendan Ike. Yeah. You know? Like, exactly. They can just fucking do it. Yeah, it's insane. And I, I honestly believe it will like I think I saw like I think I had like the inside view of a product that will change the way we interact act with the internet uh, in the next decade or yeah, two. Yeah, you freaks, you just enjoy the pod now because in the future, like you're going to have to pay us Satoshi microtransactions to listen to this shit. You know, so like you're, getting, you're, you're a free rider right now, but eventually you're going to have to, you know, use your jewel extension to, to pay us. Yeah, so shout out to Will. He built that by himself, by the way, from I'm scratch. Impressed, man. It looks One pretty. man shop. It's super pretty, super user friendly. And it's completely open source. He's open sourced everything. So if you want to take a look at it, go to lightningjewel, J O U L E dot com. Uh, you'll be able to easily find the GitHub page. And if you guys want to make a, first of all, download it, use it, uh, have any critiques, PRs, requests, uh, start interacting with the GitHub page. It's completely open source. I think this is the most excited I've been. On over a specific, I'm telling you, app, dude. or like specific, uh, you know, not core development or anything, you know, not a not a protocol level change or anything. Just a this is massive, an actual usable consumer product. Yeah, I think this is the most excited I've ever been. And and you couple this with with the hardware nodes we've been talking about, with you know the Casa node and the the Noddle Noddle uh, and then the coin mine, which I don't really like, but you get a shitty GPU miner in there too. And then all all a, all a user has to do is you buy you buy a hardware node, you buy a little dedicated computer that's running your your Lightning node and your Bitcoin node, and and you get Jewel, you point it at your node, and all of a sudden you can make all these different micropayments and stuff on on the web directly in your browser frictionlessly, and your your trust is is ridiculously minimized like obviously you don't read code and shit you know you're a normal user there's there's lots of trust in there um but that trust is is reduced at, to the greatest degree possible because you know it's open source plenty of other people are looking at it um and that's fucking dope that yeah. is fucking all, that's what the vision that's what the vision is you know the vision's coming together right and it's crazy that one man built this uh, to this point. The power of one man. Never, to help people realize. Never second guess yourself, man. Like, there's so many people. Space. Okay, so then we have, let's, let's move on to the next topic. So, yeah, Lightning Jewel, if you can help Will out, it's been, he's been a one-man show up to this point. Like, it's crazy that he's gotten to this point and that it's open source. Like, this is a, an incredible base layer from which to blow on. And like you, grow on, excuse me. And like you said, my mind was blown last night. It's like the most excited I've been of anything outside like a protocol level development in a while. Um, so definitely check that out. Uh, next topic, Ohio taxes. Uh, Ohio has a fifth pillar politician in their ranks. Yeah, I mean, the tax news is like no fucking big deal, but the treasurer loves Bitcoin. And he says he doesn't own Bitcoin now, and but it sounds like he'll own it in the future or he secretly owns it. But either way, he's like major Bitcoin proponent. 
And one of the things I liked was he didn't use the word crypto. He literally said, you know, Bitcoin is creates freedom for people and and reduces government size and, and puts a check on government, which is like exactly what you want to hear. Yeah. From and a government official. And shout out to Bitcoin sign guy who called this out. He had the prescience to call out the fifth pillar politicians that will exist within our system. This is just an example of one of them. Uh, and staying on the same vein as Ohio, they have decided to accept uh, tax revenue via crypto. Yeah, that's what I said. That's no big deal. Who no big deal. But I want to bring it up. They're using BitPay. Uh, Ohio, you should, be, you should be using BTC Pay Server. Uh, I'm going to use BTC Pay. <laughs> you should use Coinbase Merchant Servants, I guess. Like, I fucking hate Coinbase, but they're better than BitPay. Fuck BitPay. BitPay uh, is about to go obsolete. BitPay is even uh, uh, capitulated with BIP70, um, where they're they, finally they depreciating. Um, that doesn't work with any wallets except for their wallet. So no, it doesn't even work with their wallet anymore. Right, so that's why they deprecated it. Yeah. That's good. Um, next, next, don't up. use copay either. No, don't. Oh, we should talk about that. That's it's. We were we're pressed for time, right? Copay is copay had a vulnerability because they had a dependency further up the line uh, of their project, so that they had a JavaScript dependency that that they relied on that was automatically merged into their project. And that's just a bad trust model. So like well, you shouldn't have that trust model. Well, this, this, this package in particular was specific to their implementation. No, it wasn't all the packages. This package is used in like a ton of different projects, but I thought, but I th- the I thought vulnerability the- was specific to copay. So the, the, the package that was compromised is used in a ton of other shit, but the actual vulnerability was targeted specifically at BitPay. Okay. Right? And it was weird because it was targeted at wallets like with a greater than 100 Bitcoin. Yeah, you know? a hacker with morals. I, I guess. Like, Only I guess. attack their edge. It's Peter Pan. Yeah. Not Peter Pan. Not Peter Pan. Uh, uh, Robin, Robin Hood. Hood. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, so there's a Robin Hood hacker out there. Uh, do not use BitPay. And, uh, Just do not a bad trust copay. model. Yeah, terrible trust model. Um, if next you want up, multi-sig, use Electrum. Actually, yeah. Good advice from BitDevs last night. If you're doing multi-sig, use multiple wallets. Create a multi-sig... Uh, multi-sig of multiple wallets? Yeah, like an Electrum and a Trezor or something like that. Yeah, but Electrum lets you use Trezor to make the multi-sig. Yeah. So you can use like a Trezor, a Ledger, and... But the, the point of using multiple different wallet softwares to, to make a multi-sig is in case like there's ever like a, a critical vulnerability in like a Ledger or Trezor or anything like that. Right, right, right. But backup. Electrum allows you to use those yes. multiple methods. Yes. So like Electrum the, is the, like the home base of that all. Yeah. Um, next up, we got hash rate that. talk. We've got a couple... We're about to have two downward difficulty adjustments in a row. First one was 7%. Seven and a half percent. The next one uh, projected to be in the next week, week and a half, is uh, projected to be around eleven and a half, twelve percent. Uh, hash rate is falling with the price. Matt, does price follow hash rate, or does hash rate follow price? Well, it's nuanced, right? But but hash follows fucking price, guys. Like they're running a business, they have to pay rent, they have to pay labor. You know what the price is matters to them. That's mm-hmm. how much money they're making. Uh, the smart ones finally nowadays have legitimate ways to short so they can hedge themselves, which is beautiful for miners. Uh, obviously, not a lot did. Um, what's interesting is the electricity in China has doubled because... A drought, right? 
Right, which is normal with the seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's winter there where it's a dry season, so right. not as much rainfall. Which hydropower. Means... All their power comes from excess hydropower. You don't have excess hydropower, prices go up, right? So their prices doubled. Bitcoin goes down. All the miners were overextending themselves. The same reason all the buyers were overextending themselves. Be- the Mining is the ultimate long-term bet because you have major, major capex, and you're just spending a ton of money to set all this shit up. And you get paid over time, right? So, so these guys are going basically levered longs, mm-hmm. and if they don't, if they don't hedge themselves, like of course the price, the hash is going to go down um, when yeah. the price goes down. Yeah, um, and one but thing it evens out the difficulty adjustment. Make sure that this shit—that's the beauty of exactly. The that's what I was just going to get into. Do we believe in Amon's theory of the the downward spiral of hash rate? No, the death spiral isn't going to fucking happen. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is. Is I can keep fucking saying that unless and then the death spiral happens and you can you know be like you were wrong and then it's, it's fucking over. But I I don't think that I think it's been proven wrong multiple times in the past. The difficulty adjustment is fucking beautiful. It changes. Um, and it, if you have like some kind of worst case scenario where there's like a large drop off and and blocks are like ridiculously slow, then then we could technically fork to a different difficulty. We could technically fork to a different POW if we needed to. Those are worst case scenarios, but it's not zero, you know? We talk about hodlers of last resort a lot, but a lot of people don't talk about miners of last resort, and they really shine in these uh, downward difficulty adjustments because there's people that are holding hardware that uh, has not, it, at a certain point, was not profitable, but now that the difficulty is adjusting downward, is now profitable, and they will turn those machines on to eke as much income as they can Stacking stats exactly so there's a the, there as there is a hodler of last resort there's a miner of last resort there's somebody who's got that hardware that has not uh returned their full investment yet that is waiting for a downward difficulty adjustment to turn it on and reap that benefit i agree um Damn so yeah, right we're, we're gonna see this play out this is this happens every time it's gonna look hash rate fucking blew up this year it was amazing. It just it kept 12, going up. 12 to like 15x. Yeah. So they like they had a lot of inefficient miners that there's like a way more ASICs that got developed that are way better. And they, you know, they, they held probably a little bit longer than they expected because they wanted, they expected the price to go back up, you know, just like a normal investor would, you know, they would have had irrational hopium. And, um, and 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 it finally hit the point where they're like, holy shit, like every time I run that miner, we're losing 40 cents a day. So we're going to fucking throw it out. And right. that's what happened. Yeah. You know? um, but and there was like all there's like lots of FUD triggers and stuff, but whatever. It, it's mostly there's nuance to it, but mostly hash follows price. If there's an incentive to mine, if there's an incentive to create more efficient chips, you're going to do it. If there's an incentive to throw that shit out, you're going to fucking do it, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and we hear this same shit every single fucking time. Yeah, well... And we're going to hear it into infinity. Like, in 2025, when the hash rate falls, they're going to be like, death spiral. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wake me up when it happens. Right? Um, no, but it is... Uh, there's a lot of fun out there, and a lot of people will point are pointing at Bitcoin Cash... Uh, BCH, ABC, and BCH, SV, both are technically more profitable to mine than Bitcoin. No, no, right no, now. no. SV isn't technically. 
or one ABC. We checked last night. They both were at pit tabs. But with that being said, they they were their their difficulty adjustment changes way more frequently. Um, So, so that makes sense to me that I thought it wasn't profitable on uh, SV. The key things that you also have to think about is that miners don't get paid for a hundred blocks. After 100 blocks, they can actually move That's when their the Coinbase coins. reward is. Yeah, so if you're like on an unstable chain like SV uh, and ABC, for that matter, like you could get to a point where, you know, it's 97 blocks later and you get a fucking reorg, you know, and then you're fucked. Like yeah. you just lost a lot of money. Uh, and and the liquidity issue as well, where where just because it says it's most profit, more profitable doesn't mean you can actually dump your coins on market and get market price. You know, uh, if, if they're very thinly traded markets. You know, one of the reasons SV is so high, especially is because if, Binance isn't fucking allowing deposits and withdrawals, so the price is automatically pumping. There's no arbitrage there, and especially if the mining pools in those particular uh, minority forks are the market makers as well, and like super centralized. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's fucking garbage, and I really like me. And like some other people I've spoke to, like we're ready to support. I've been ready since the beginning. Give us a pool where the explicit goal is to fuck them. Let's just any SHA-256 fork that's small, we fuck. Otherwise, we'll just mine Bitcoin. Give me that option and they'll be dead. (laughs) Let's do it. They should have died way long ago. They need to be killed. You know, Matt, people Matt. used to have balls with this shit. It's time. Bitmain pretended they were protecting it for a while. They're weak. They can't protect it. It's time to kill it. Let's kill it. Matt, you're so insensitive. It's time to do it. These people these people have a right to view that their chain is, is the Bitcoin. They can continue. Change the POW. I agree with that. Let's force them into changing the POW, guys. Um, yeah, but I would, uh, as we have expounded upon here, I would not freak out about the uh, the much vaulted uh bitcoin death uh, mining death spiral it's probably yeah, it's, not it's not happen. that big of a deal again most of those miners are being thrown out they're inefficient it, it, even if you wanted to use them for 51 percent attack it'd be super expensive it'd be hard to sustain that kind of attack we always have the the nuclear option of um of changing, changing the, POW. the pow um we can always do some you know i there's it's just no one wants to kill their golden goose. No one's going to spend that kind of money to do it. 51% attack today. You should always be worried about it, 51. But right right now, it's it's like way less risky than it's been for like the last two, three, four years. We're doing really, really good Yeah. in terms of that. I mean, Bitmain's weak, man. If Bitmain can't stop fucking Craig Wright, then Bitmain's fucked right now. Like, they're, they are... All this rumors, all this bullshit, whatever, you know, I've, I've been tweeting about it and shit with grains of salt. But what proves that Bitmain is weak right now is that they can't fucking kill SV. Because, like, what they should do is is keep reorging SV. Mm-hmm. And if they, if they don't have the ability to get 5%, 6% hash to keep fucking SV over and over again then they don't have any kind of capability to do anything to Bitcoin. Like, there's not even a fucking chance. They both have negligible hash rates. Yeah, and there's been a lot of people who try to attribute the price fall over the weekend. Including Jihan. Including? To, uh, yeah, I mean, there was... Jihan had that WeChat, whatever, where he was like, I'm gonna drop, if I do this, that we're going to be fake. Falling. That turned out to be a fake. Oh, that was fake? That was fake. 
but uh, so not including Jihan. There was a lot of pundits out there who tried to attribute the price fall to uh, the Bitcoin Cash fork in particular. Uh, whereas our friend Mirab Mamadov would say it's just a, it's a snowflake on the avalanche. I, mean, I said it straight up on Twitter too. I was like, yeah. this is not has nothing to do with Bcash. It was we had we had very little volatility. We were in a bear market that breaks down. That's what happens. Yeah, I th I bet the bigger driver, and I'm I'm not trying to force a narrative either. But I, if I were being completely analytical and looking at it rationally, I would say the bigger driver is probably the fact that the crypto funds of last year that had one year lockups probably. Uh, those lockups probably ended and people were able to liquidate their shitty investments. And some of the funds actually had lockups where if you were an employee, you get out when you leave the company. Yeah. So a lot of people left their companies and they went back to their traditional finance jobs and, and, and they get out of their lockups. See you losers. Like bear markets, price goes down, bull markets, price goes up. That's, that's the way, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, we got uh, the SEC head. Hester Pierce on what Bitcoin did. She's not the head. She's not the head. She's one of the five board members. One of the five board members. Close, as close to the head as you can get. Uh, so Peter McCormick, who I actually met last week, he was in town. Um, awesome dude. Absolutely awesome dude. Bummed uh, I wasn't able to join you guys. Uh, he's uh, What Bitcoin Did is his podcast. Um, he interviewed Hester Pierce who was the dissenting opinion on the, I think the most recent ETF denial. Uh, that's just fucking cool. She reached out to him. She was like, we're ready to do a Bitcoin interview. He flew in from England to do it. You know, she took a picture with like, like, come on guys. Like in 2014, like we didn't have like one of the SEC board members, like saying that regulators in the U S shouldn't, shouldn't interfere with this. Right. And then furthermore, at consensus yesterday, they had uh Clayton come in who is actually the chairman. I think he's the Yes, chairman. from the SEC. He's the head. And he made slightly negative comments, but slightly negative comments made at a Bitcoin conference is bullish. That is <laughs> that's awesome. Like that's ridiculous. The SEC chairman came to a Bitcoin conference and didn't say that it's terrorist money, you know. Like this is that's a that's a big deal. He basically I think it's said a, he didn't it's a positive thing. At the end of the day, he said he just didn't want the trading to be manipulated, and he wanted custody to be locked down, right? Yeah, I mean, but that's like a questionable talking point because, like, how far do you draw the line? Yeah, because with Bitcoin, you'll never be fully sure that there's not some whale manipulating whatever. And like, what is manipulation? Yeah, I would say in a free market, there is no manip manipulation. That's just whales being whales yeah um so there is like some questionable whatever there but i think overall all of his statements and consensus we we talked we have some friends who went there right well you didn't go i didn't go but we had some friends that went there and they, they were saying that overall his speech seemed you know very uh besides the, the point that he was actually speaking at a bitcoin conference to begin with it seemed very positive right yeah. not negative yeah, seemed very not negative. I think there's Let's a positive. There's a positive EV coming from this appearance from uh from Clayton. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Why would he even come? You yeah. know, you don't come. You don't come to an like Al Qaeda conference. I'm becoming more know? and more convinced that the regular is going to have no power in the space, though. Especially after that OPEC talk earlier. Um, no, see, they have no power over Bitcoin. Yes, Bit License proved that. They have power over people that use Bitcoin. They have they have power over Americans. Yes, and we're Americans. So America gets fucked 
if they handle this poorly. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin doesn't get fucked. That's yes. an important distinction here. It is very important. And as an American, it's important to me because I don't want America to get fucked. Neither do I. But as a Bitcoiner, it's inconsequential to me because Bitcoin doesn't fucking give a shit. Yeah. You know, we were talking about the OPEC earlier, right? If those Iranians were using Vertcoin or some like ridiculous altcoin, like it'd be way easier for them to be like, if those fucking coins move, you're going to Gitmo. Like you're going to, <laughs> you're going to either jail if you're an American citizen or you're going to fucking Gitmo if you're not an American citizen. Like you're fucked. Or like, you know, if you're a Middle Eastern country, like you might get hit by a fucking drone, you know, like, and then that, 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 those transactions better not move. But with Bitcoin, it's like, who do you pressure for that? You yeah. know, a miner's going to mine it and it's, you can mine anonymously because we have small blocks. So, so, so how do you enforce that? How do you stop that from happening? We'll find out. And I think this is going to be a big test. This is maybe like a diamond in the rough story that a lot of people aren't paying attention to, but may have a, a big impact on the certainty that people have uh, that Bitcoin is censorship resistant and uh, uh, resistant to state attacks. I would say this is a state attack in a way. Which one? OPEC. Yeah. I mean, guys, install Wasabi Wallet, wasabiwallet.io, and please start mixing your coins. Let's let's get all these things. Let, let, let's make plausible deniability for everyone. Yes, it's important. Imperative. All right, last topic here. We're going to talk about Vanek. Um, OTC index. I did not. I've not read any of these last three stories. I love it. You just trust. Don't verify. I'm trusting. What's going on? Are we getting an ETF in the next couple of weeks? Uh, no. Uh, Vanek uh, uh, put in OTC price index so we can see the prices more transparent in OTC. It's like a it's a setup. What desk are they trading tracking? Uh, multiple desks. Cumberland Genesis. I I'm not positive, but it's, it's definitely multiple desks. And the idea is that they want more transparency in OTC uh, markets. Circle mm-hmm. Trade, Genesis Trading, and Cumberland okay. are the three that they're starting with, and they're going to add more. And this is key because the Vanek ETF is going to be based on OTC prices. So presumably it'll be based on this OTC price index, which is what we've also, we saw when the Winklevoss tried to do an ETF, they created the Winkdex. I don't know if you remember when they launched I the Winkdex. I do not remember the Winkdex. It was, it was a very pretty website. So I'll give them that. Um, so this is them setting up that, that price transparency before they do their ETF, which is scheduled for February ish. Then also they announced that in January, they're aiming for January-ish for NASDAQ and them to partner with a, a futures product that is cash settled. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Backed is also aiming for a January-ish launch, but that is not back cash settled. That's Bitcoin settled. You can actually get Bitcoin at the end of your futures trade. This wasn't things. This doesn't happen. In 2014, we weren't, we weren't talking about is NASDAQ going to list futures in two months like this is this we're in a completely different this is a completely different scenario now price wise you guys are way too fucking easy. you guys are all calling for one thousand dollars fucking a week ago we're probably in a bull trap we'll probably go back down i'll probably lose my fucking bet 
You're definitely losing your um, bet. Yeah, see, Getting Martin has a little stake. bit of confidence, so let's just fuck him. Let's just go up and then go back down. Let's capitulate after after my steak. I dinner. would be so pissed if I um, buy you a steak dinner and we have <laughs> and not then hit we go down. Up. That'd be fucking beautiful. It'd be the best case. Um, but this, you know, it's probably like a short squeeze bull trap situation. You guys are way too exuberant for this to be the bottom. But I don't play those games. I just, I just hodl like a little motherfucker. Yeah, you motherfucker, you. Um, tether. This is a big one. Relaunches. You said redemption. the last one was. Oh yeah, I see. We actually did cover all this shit. That's pretty good. Yeah, we're doing a short good. amount of time. We did pretty good. Tether. Tether uh, used to let you go to tether.to to switch your tether into real dollars, mm-hmm. and then they got rid of that because regulators were gonna fuck them. And now they reopened it, and that's. I think that's a big deal. I think. What does Lawmaster think of this? What's our boy Lawmaster saying? He's not our boy. Um, <laughs> I didn't call you out on that last time you said that. But you always say our boy. Uh, until he buys Bitcoin, he's not my boy. That's how I feel about that. Um, Very hypercritical. This is huge because I think the big deal, the reason they got rid of Tether.2 is because let's imagine you're breaking U.S. laws, mm-hmm. right? Do you want a million three dollar bank transfers going through? No, like that's ridiculous. It's super easy to, to shut it down, right? So you do large batch like OTC deals where it's like three million, four million at a time, and then you could do like creative banking techniques where you like give them different bank accounts over and over again, all this different stuff. It's a way different uh, expectation than than giving consumers a direct redemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it protected them. They were like playing, you know, like the same games that the sports books played when they were dealing with all the regulatory uncertainty. Uh, so this is a big deal. This means that they're probably like the DOJ investigation that we heard about is like probably on the mend. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, Tether has been like a main source of FUD. Like I've been talking, we've been both way talking about this like way, 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 way over way a year. Long. Oh, wait, my two years almost now. Yeah, I mean, Bitfinex sold at eight hundred, so we've been talking about it since then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, I think I think this is like a really good sign. It's it's a very positive sign that that Tether is, and I never thought they were not solvent i just you know they're breaking u.s laws so they're always sketchy but they they feel uh... they obviously feel more comfortable probably because all the other stable coins have launched and they all allow redemption through their respective sites so they feel like they have some like political cover because those are based in the united states and they're not yeah is my guess so it's it's good news it's definitely it's super positive news it seems like there's a lot of good news in this bear market right now Um, this is uh Mr. Hoddle, one of my my good friends, one of our good friends online, Mr. Hoddle. Love you, Mr. Hoddle. Um, he's the most bullish bear market we've ever been in. Right. You know, as long as you're not into the shit coins, like the shit, like there's, we don't know what's going to happen with those people. You know, you never know. We don't. As we described earlier, um, it seems like lightning is killing a lot of uh, altcoin. Uh, well, it kills a lot of token projects. Like, so... When it comes down to like fair launch POW altcoins, it's a whole different breed, in my opinion. But a lot of these bullshit token projects that were like 
where you're going to use this token to pay for Wall Street Journal articles. You're going to use this token to pay for your YouTube views and shit. Like, that's bullshit. Yeah. That's clearly, it's, it was completely centralized to begin with. Doesn't have any censorship resistant properties. Uh, gives you no equity in the actual underlying company. It's a completely worthless piece of shit. Um, yeah, I mean, with Bitcoin, the value prop is, is a very obvious value prop. It's a fixed supply asset, and the more people that buy it, the higher the price should go, right? Yeah. And, and, I, and this is crazy. Like, having all these things, like, Wall Street is fucking fucking people is what they're doing <laughs> i mean i don't think they're suppressing the price i think they're just taking advantage of the normal cyclical movements to like build up a massive position right now i think all the smart money is building up like a massive fucking position right now i would not be surprised and i would not be surprised one bit um it, yeah there's too much good news going on for the, i mean i'm not calling for a price bump imminently or anything but uh marty is calling for over 6600 by january 1st under 6,600, but under 6,625. Guys, what we're aiming for is 6,626 by January 1st. And then you can just dump. You can capitulate after that. Like, let's just hit that point. Let's push it over. Let's push it over the edge. All right. Get my free stake. You you freaks can try. We'll see if it happens. Um, that's all I have to say for this week. Uh, it's been a fun week. It's been a long day. It's been a very long day. Very productive day. Second podcast. I have thank- one more thing to state. All right. State it. All the longtime bears have come out over this last two weeks to kick us while we're down. And I think it's important that all of you guys go out and you you archive all their tweets. Archive them all on ar- go to archive.is and just archive all their tweets. Put them all out there. I've had a bunch of them block me because I've been doing it across the board. And it's important that we document all this shit because they're going to delete it. They always delete it, and then they say the same shit at the top of the next bowl. So we need to archive it all, and they go fuck themselves. Okay, that's my PSA. Thank you. That was Uncle Maddie's advice for the week, his PSA of the week. I want to thank... our guest Dan Held who joined us for the first half. That was ho- pretty cool, right? That was nice. Yeah, hope- that was a surprise. You didn't tell me I was going to meet him. When yeah, I, when I came up. Big surprise guy here. I hope Dan is on big a big lo- surprise guy. <laughs> hope, hope Dan's on a lovely date right now. Appreciate you freaks for tuning in. Sorry if I was a little inebriated tonight. Uh, he was very inebriated tonight. Peace and love. Cheers, folks. Yeah.